Good afternoon, I'm Al Cresta. As a veteran advisor and legal counsel to America's most successful families, Richard Watts has seen the extremes of entitlement up close, and he wants to help us avoid creating it in our children. There are well-intentioned parents across the country that are enabling a me generation of children who lack the wisdom and satisfaction of accomplishment that only uh, struggle and adversity can bring. And he joins us uh, once again to talk about uh, some of the problems with Entitlemania, which is the latest book, Entitlemania, How Not to Spoil Your Kids and What to Do If You Have. Richard, good to have you back here. Hi, Al. Nice to be here. Thank you for yeah, having me. I, I got it wrong. Fables of Fortune was the first book, right? This is what, the mistake That's I made correct. last time. <laughs> Entitlemania That's is okay. the more recent. That's okay. They're, yeah. they're different topics kind of uh, involving the same type of issues. Well, let's talk a little bit about this. Is it true that children of the wealthy have a difficult time reproducing in their lives the kind of achievement of their parents because they've been, well, cultivated an attitude of entitlement? Yeah, I, I think that there's two different ways to think about that. One, are they as successful or can they, as you say, cultivate from an economic standpoint is one. And the second part would be, do they cultivate a personal passion and an appreciation for life if they've had so many things that have been taken care of for them mm -hmm. and or if they've had the struggle in their life alleviated? And I would tell you to your what I think your first question was is about the financial thing. Success wise, you know, the drive of many, many people, a lot of the original family money makers, yeah. uh, as I call them, the dam builders, builders, the ones that put the dam across the lake and begin to pool a reservoir of money behind that dam, mm -hmm. are people that came from lesser circumstances that desired to, to move forward and to do something special in their lives and basically protect themselves with money. And they were really looking for security. But now you take away that issue because when you have kids and you have a, a wealthy family or even just a you know high upper middle income family, oftentimes by giving too much, we take away that that sense of drive or the understanding that there's some sort of a need to secure yourself in the future. Heck, you've already you've been secured. You've got the boat. There's no leaks in it. The, you're floating in the lake. Right. So why do you fear the water? You know, yeah. it's like there's not a problem. So are there uh, wealthy and successful men and women who manage, I mean, how do they ensure that their kids go through the same kind of uh, struggle? How do you induce that kind of hunger in children who are not in need? Yeah, that's a great question, Al. And, and in my world, I see that every day. And I see it done right, and I see it done wrong. The right way is that the parents basically say to the kids, and when they're very early, that, you know, this is mom and dad's money. This is something that is going to give us an opportunity as a family to do nice things together. But ultimately, this is not yours. We're not going to give it to you, at least now. You're going to have to go out and make your own way. And, and I watch the ones that do it right really begin to make the kids figure out even the most elementary things when they're very, very young. You know, they want to go buy a bicycle or something like that. I've watched, I, I've got families that have half a billion dollars in net worth that say to their kids, you know, I didn't have a bicycle when I was six or seven years old. And if you want to get one, you're going to have to figure out a way and maybe we'll help you 
earn it, but you're going to have to go figure out how to earn it. Yeah. And it's yeah. amazing how families watch that happen in very wealthy families that I see. And then they marvel at the fact that the kids are mowing their lawn and making 20 bucks or 15 bucks to try to earn money from a family next door that's got a mansion. And I think they kind of admire that, frankly. Yeah, yeah. I notice in the book that you uh, notice that parents often try to be best friends to their kids. Is that a big mistake? You know, I use that as a litmus test, Al. I, I think I hear it all the time. I hear moms and particularly moms, a lot of dads too, that just go, oh, you know, so-and-so, he's my best friend. And I always use that as an example. If you're using that terminology, to some degree, you're, you're well-meaning. What you mean is I love my kids so much. Yeah, I enjoy I them. Right. them to be better than friends. They're my best friends. Yeah. But if that communication is getting beyond that point where it's, you know, you're my best friend, we're equals, mano a mano, let's <laughs> go through life together, that's doing damage um, to your kids because you have way superior knowledge. Uh, they need to learn to figure things yes. out, and you as a best friend are not a good best friend because you're going to have the answers to everything, yeah. and you're going to pick out the path that's easiest for them, and you're going to take them away from struggle where, you know, my best friend and I got in trouble together all the time, and we had to figure our way out of it, and we had to figure out the issues of life together. Uh, and so I'm a big proponent of actually having the conversation with your kids and saying, you know, I have a choice to make as a parent. I can either be your best friend or I can be your parent. Interestingly, as a best friend, you can go get lots of those. There's a lot of people that will be your friends. There's only two people that will be your parents. And <laughs> I'm choosing the more rare quality. And that parenting is going to be that you're not going to like some of the decisions that I make, but I want you to know that I love you enough that I'm going to make decisions that are hard for you and say no a lot of times to you but I'm really doing it for the benefit of you becoming stronger to be on your own. But the best friend thing, I'm going to go ahead and jettison that title from now on. Mm. So, so critical then would be uh, to, to, again, let them know that you're aware of your own success and how it was achieved, and you're not presuming that they just get that by osmosis. They have to learn it. Yes, yes. Okay. And, and I think... The verbal part of it is important because I think they do get it from osmosis. You know, one of the stories we tell around here is, and it's happened a number of times, where the family has a private jet, and they've flown on that everywhere they go, and the kid finally at the age of, you know, nine years old comes on board a plane and goes to first class on a commercial airline and looks around and turns to the mom and dad with dismay and says, why are all these people on our plane? <laughs> and, and you think to yourself, oh, my goodness, if this is the best I've done, <laughs> in having my kids recognize the world for what it is, yeah. then I'm not doing a great job of that. And I really need to step back and I need to really uh, to focus on on exactly what those kids are, what's best for the kids and uh, and try to give them some sort of sense that that's not the way the world operates. And by doing that, I have to tell them that this is my money. And what I said to my kids, even going further, and this I get sometimes a lot of pushback on this, is when they turned 18, I told all three of my boys, I said, I just want you to know we've had a great time together. We've done a lot of wonderful things as a family. We'll continue to do things as a family, which I'm going to continue to finance. But I want you to know mom and dad have made a decision to create a foundation, which we did. And when we die, we're going to put whatever's left over in the foundation. And we're going to give you kids the gift of an inheritance of being able to give away our money to any good cause you feel is appropriate. 
And they started with that at 18, went to college. A lot of their friends were talking about their boats and the family money and this and that. Well, my kids were talking about how they're going to get a job (laughs) and beginning to realize that they really needed to do it on their own. And that was my method of getting them to get at it themselves. And so by the time they graduated from school and and two of them went on to graduate school, um, you know, they had an understanding that when dad's done and mom's done, we have to be able to fly on our own. Yeah. Yeah. And so they all worked very hard at that. And, and yet people have heard that comment and said, well, that's just horrible. We, we should, if nothing else, we should be able to give our kids as much money as we possibly can save because that's a really good thing. But I can tell you this, that as a result of my trickery, if you want to call it that, I have got kids that are very productive. They're on their own. We don't help them. They struggle at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, two of them are married. We've got five grandkids, but they have wonderful self-esteem. Mm-hmm. And I can always, and my wife can always change our mind. Sure. So if I decide when they're 50 and I'm 75 or 80 that I want to change that attitude and give them some of it or yeah. all of it, and I feel they're capable at that time of not wrecking their lives, I, you know, we might change our mind and give them right. something. So I'm not, I'm not hard. I'm just intentional. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, did you expect your children to follow you into this, the business? No, no. Uh, in fact, my son just kind of mirroring what I did, did go to law school mm-hmm. and to one up me, uh, got a master's degree on the way. So he, <laughs> you know, he had to get his juris doctorate and a master's just to outdo dad. And uh, when he came around and he said, pops, he says, you know, you're a lawyer, you've got a great firm, you represent all these people, you're well known in our area. Um, how about a job? I said, yeah, it's probably a good thing to go find a job. And I can probably make some phone calls and get you some introductions, but you're going to have to do that on your own. And the delight of that was that's been about 15 years ago. Uh, he went out and worked for one of the prominent lawyers uh, in our county here in Orange County. And after about 10 years of experience, went out on his own and created his own firm. <laughs> and now that I, as I get older, last year, I sat down with him and I said, you know, son, uh, it may be a good thing at this point. You've had 15 years experience. It might be something that you might want to do in terms of taking over what I'm doing right, here. Right. And he looked at me, he says, Pops, he says, you can't afford me anymore. <laughs> and so I'm happy. And so, no, he's not coming in and none of them work with me. That's funny. Um, you do teach them faith, you mentioned. Yes. I, I, I really think that that is maybe the most important thing that I feel is the legacy that I want to leave and that many of us don't put as much effort into that as possible. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a difficult thing because it's easy to impress faith on children when they're young. And then they go to school and they go to college and they wander away. Right. Uh, and so we have always made a very important practice of showing our faith and speaking our faith and being active in our faith. So even when they went to college and kind of wandered away, they saw mom and dad still very active in our local church and, and active in Bible study groups and yep. things like that. Yep. And so they came back, Yeah. and yeah. they have all returned. That's and beautiful. And now they're in their late 30s, and it's part of their family uh, and part of their our grandkids is, is uh, very committed to, to doing uh, charitable-type things. And you can—I think the most important part of that is is not just for faith for what it is, which is, to me— what what uh, what being on this planet's all about is helping others and and uh, and trying to exercise the 
the faith that Jesus showed us how to exercise. Right. But beyond that, uh, it really does allow you to recognize that if you truly believe there's someone bigger in the universe, if there's something bigger than you, Mm -hmm. then you don't gain a sense of self-importance like so many of us do. With our businesses and our things and our cars and our money and our houses, you know, you begin to realize when you're in that in that vein of faith that this is all temporary Mm -hmm. and you can't fit it in the box when you leave the planet. You can't put it in the box. Your house won't fit. Your cars won't fit. Very few things will fit in the box. And so, you know, you best really recognize that, that all of these material things just aren't that important. And I think that when you get to that place, you begin to live days one at a time instead of giving up years to try to get to a material goal that you think will make your happy. Amen. Make you happy. Yeah. Richard, thanks once again. Great talking with you. And uh, you bet. We'll have the book Entitled Mania in our online bookstore. Entitled Mania, How Not to Spoil Your Kids and What to Do if You Have Richard Watts. I'm Al Cresta.